0: My name's Phil Williams and I would like to welcome you to Audio Angling, the podcast site of fishingfilmsandfacts.co.uk In June 2009, fishing aboard Luke Aston's Carragher Holt-based charter boat Clare Dragon, 70-year-old Swiss angler Joe Waldis surprised the angling world by hauling up a six-gill shark of 1,056 pounds, a fish so big that it couldn't be boated and was subsequently dragged back into port to be weighed. Whether such a magnificent fish should have been killed to hang from a set of scales is another matter. But the fact remains that it was, making it the first authenticated £1,000 plus fish taken on rod and line from the waters surrounding the British Isles. The question is, should the angling world have been so surprised either about the weight of the fish, or the catching of a species normally associated with the deeper waters along the edge of the continental slope? Well, from my experience of fishing for huge six-gill sharks elsewhere in the world, and hints of what might be achieved from other anglers fishing this exposed piece of island's Atlantic west coast, the answer to that question has to be a resounding no. Six-gill sharks have put in sporadic appearances in Irish waters on a number of occasions over the years. That, however, doesn't automatically make them a targetable potential. They would need to be caught more consistently than that. The big question is, could they be? One man who can perhaps shed more light on this particular question better than most is Merseyside angler Mick Duff. Before we get down to providing any evidence on the subject, let's first take a few moments to set the scene. What are we talking about here? What time of year was it? And who was with you on the day?
1: I was in uh, Kilke in I think it was 2001 was the first year we went. Went over with the IM Yorkshire lads, which was Jeff Taylor and uh, Mick Brown on their boat. It was a 15-foot warrior, and it was called Elsie May.
0: So where exactly is Kilkee?
1: Kilkee is just on the Atlantic side of the Shannon. Next stop's America. It's a smallish town. It's where most of the Irish go for the holidays. There's caravan sites there, holiday homes. It's quite a busy little town. Everything's there. There's pubs, restaurants, and all the facilities there. We stayed at a place called Cunningham's Caravan Park. Um, uh, there's everything you need there. launching facilities are fine. There's um, a big slip, stone slip in the harbour, sheltered in the uh, in the harbour itself. All, all the facilities are there for you. There's a diving club there if you want to go in for a drink or anything like that. Uh, the only thing is, it is exposed to the weather. It uh, faces the straight into the Atlantic any sort of uh, swell and it, it, it comes in but the the actual harbour itself is protected by a reef that runs three quarters of the way across which keeps most of the weather out the trouble is you've got to get out through the the gap in it once you're outside it's not too bad but the, the water depths vary from close in, 30, 40 foot to 200 and odd foot where the six gills are it's 180 foot
0: Obviously, having targeted the venue, you must have had some objectives in mind. So what had you gone there expecting to catch?
1: There's a lot of pollock fishing close in. Fantastic pollock fishing. It's a bay, really. Uh, just outside, the pollock fishing is absolutely tremendous. There's loads of pollock all the way along the coastline. Um, there's a bottom fishing just outside on the on the banks. There's megram on it, haddock, cardling, all sorts of mixed fishing just outside the harbour. And if you go further out again, that's when you get the blues and the, the hake, haddock again. It's, it's a lot of general general good fishing. There's loads of blue sharks here. You can catch 20 a day, plenty of them. Bottom fishing, anywhere at all, outside, there's haddock, hake, cards, dabs, there's everything you need. It's really good general fishing.
0: Bearing in mind that blue sharks normally like open waters of around 40 fathoms or more, what kind of depths and how close to shore were you actually picking these fish up? The blues were half a
1: mile outside the harbour. Well, it's not a harbour, I keep saying a harbour. It's a it's a sandy bay with moorings inside. If But the blues were just outside the harbour and they were also up to five miles out. Wherever you stopped, there were blues.
0: I'm just as intrigued by the haddock, and more especially the hake, neither of which are particularly commonly caught fish anywhere these days. In fact, I personally have never caught a hake at all. So what sorts of sizes were these fish coming up at?
1: The haddock were up to about three pound. Quite decent fish like, because we never never had, had a uh, hake before. And the haddock at about the same size, two pound, but plenty of them. And what sort of numbers of hake were you seeing? It's hard to say, but decent numbers. It's numbers, like. They were coming up regular through the drift fishing. They were coming up quite often, mixed in with the haddock.
0: Now, I know from what we've already talked about before switching the voice recorder on that eventually you decided it was time to put some bigger baits down. So let's expand a little bit more on that. Yeah, we anchored up. We didn't know what we were
1: going to get, really. We just anchored up for the change because it's nearly all drift fishing off there. And We just started bottom fishing with mackerel and that's when the big skate took it. I don't know, it was just luck really that we stopped in the right place. So how much
0: skate interest did you get?
1: We only ever had the one common. We give the sizes and the details to the experts to work out and they reckon it was about two hundred pound on the size of the, the wingspan and the length of it. But after one like one was enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It took a long time to bring in. Yeah. It was on an upside and it was a uh, it was must have been an hour and a half. We
0: got the shark on the same mark after we got the skate. Now that was on your first trip, but did you hear of anyone else getting into Big Common Skate either before you went or even while you were there? That was the
1: first time we knew they were there. We did try again for them the following year, but we only got the six-gill.
0: And was the six-gill shark another accidental bonus catch, or had you heard of anyone encountering those in the past?
1: It was an accidental catch. Uh, We were just bottom fishing with... Just a normal ledger gear with a half a mackerel on. Dropped it to the bottom and then it must have took minutes for us to get it, and that, that was it. It was on and about an hour and a half later. To it, it it came up.
0: What were your thoughts when
1: it first started to show? We thought it was a thresher at first because of the big long tail on it. On it, because we'd never seen one before. And then we, when we got it to the side of the boat, it was, well, it was nearly the size of the boat. And it, we just knew then it was... Um, but we didn't know it was a six-gill at the time. We had to go back. We took um, a little bit of a video of it and a few photographs. Then the books came out when we got back. And there it was, the six-gill.
0: So you had this thing lying there at the surface along the entire side of the boat. What did you do next? We couldn't get in the boat, it was too big. We dragged it along the side of the boat
1: and we we just re- took photographs and we released it.
0: Probably the right species if you're going to have such a huge shark at the side of such a small boat because in my experience they are fairly docile fish, very easily held on the trace or led around. They just seem to lay there wallowing about without any sort of attempt at all to get away.
1: We just led it round, It just sort of wallowed around whatever it wanted to sort of go and you just pulled it and it just came whichever way you turned it. You could just bring it along the side of the boat. It would just, just swim along. And then if you just turned it, it would just turn and come back to the boat. It was just a solid way to to, to get it up.
0: A bit like winching bags of cement up the side of Blackpool Tower.
1: But running up tide, which made it pretty hard to get up. The trouble there is there's no run whatsoever. You can get down to the bottom with five ounce lead. It, uh, there's no run whatsoever
0: was that the only one he picked up during that first visit? That's the only one we caught on, on that
1: trip. We think we had another one on, but we couldn't budge it. Mickey Brown, who was with us, he was playing it for, for ages and ages. It, it felt like a fish, but it, it just moved and it just wouldn't come up. So we don't know what that one was. And then we went back again the following year. went straight back, well, we went back to the same mark. Exactly the same mark. Uh, this year... Uh, went back in my own, my own boat, which is Highlander, which was the Sea Lord. And um, we fished off that with... um second year was with uh, John Williams and Stevie Quinn. And we, we got another one on straight away, on the same mark, same, same bait. But this time we'd uh, modified the traces. We'd made big, long traces to fish for them. And we doubled them round and... Put ties on each end to shorten the trace and uh, we got one straight away uh, we couldn't get out so after that again the weather was pretty bad so we couldn't get back out to the same mark.
0: What sort of size was that fish?
1: I would say it was a slightly smaller than the bigger one so well I would say about 300 pound as a guess for three 400 pound big fish.
0: But this time around you take the long tackle and traces with big six-gill sharks in mind
1: tackled up from this time, yeah. yeah. Now, funny enough, we got one straight away. And that was in July. I think that July 2002.
0: And this is all in water of less than 200 feet in broad daylight. All daylight fishing, yeah, yeah. That's amazing, really, because those huge green eyes they have are specially adapted for life in the dark. And research work in America and the Mediterranean have shown that it isn't so much the water depth that's the controlling factor, but the ability of light to penetrate that tends to keep them down in deep water. Whereas after dark, they're known to migrate both shorewards and upwards.
1: They do, they're supposed to feed of a night, a lot better than they do in the daylight, but we, we had both of them in daylight. And the second one we got, we weren't there half an hour, uh, and we were straight on it. So there must be plenty there.
0: Someone's killed key light then in terms of navigation and safety, for maybe taking the boat out after dark and giving it a proper go.
1: If the weather's fine, you can just go out. I would say it's only about a mile offshore. If that, you can't get lost, especially with the navigation systems these days. It wouldn't be a problem at all.
0: But what about that gap through the reef,
1: though? If it started to cut up, you get in through the gap on the far side.
0: But you're coming before if it did cut up, or you get in before anything like that happened. You ten minutes. I'm thinking more in terms of you finding it and negotiating it in the dark. You'll see it breaking on the on the reef, and you you could come through the gap. It wouldn't hurt, though, suppose to take precise GPS readings of the gap on the way through it in the daylight.
1: Yeah, you could follow your track on your GPS, which you take you right through it and bring you back right through it. If the weather was fine, it wouldn't be a problem. Stay up there all
0: night. I really do think that that would be the way forward, because scientists have determined that it's daylight rather than depth that is the limiting factor. It just so happens that it gets darker with depth.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a possibility. We can catch two in, in daylight... I'm sure you'd get them, at, uh, get them for night.
0: I don't know how you fish them at night. You'd have to bring them off the bottom, or? It's not something I've tried. I think I'd like to hedge my bets with one bait on the bottom and a couple of others suspended at different levels above the seabed until some sort of pattern started to develop. But I'd definitely have a rubby-dubby bag involved there somewhere.
1: That'd be work well because there's, there's no run there. Your anchor's near enough straight down. So it, it would probably work
0: quite well. I think i tied on lightly though, just in case one tried to swim off with it and ended up tangled in the anchor rope. Yeah, there's a possibility there, just need somebody to go back and do it. It would be fun and games though, and just a little bit eerie too, with something that size wallowing around in the water, lit up only by a lamp. And regardless of size, it would be staying in the water too. Though with the second fish you was talking about just a few minutes ago, I believe you actually lifted that one into the boat.
1: This one we got inside the boat, the three of us, Lifted it in after a great, uh, great struggle. We managed to get it over the side. Um, As then we took a few pictures and then we l- released it. And I just swam off.
0: And no doubt, harder to get back out of the boat than it was to get in.
1: It was, yeah. It was. It was harder to get it back over again. We got a big carpet. We took the carpet specially for it, and we uh, draped it over the side. And once we got onto the carpet over the side, we just pulled the whole lot in. And the whole off came in the boat.
0: No problems with it inside the boat?
1: No, it was quite docile in the boat. Just flapped about a bit and just sort of fell asleep. <laughs> but it was so funny with it, with it, the, no dorsal fin, but dorsal fin right at the very back. Funny looking fish, big green eyes, staring at us. It. It's a fantastic fish. It was, yeah, yeah. It was an experience.
0: On the basis of that, I've had a word with Graham Pullen, who's got more experience of big six gills than I have, and he says that if it was 15 feet from the nose to the fork of the tail, it would probably go around 800 pounds. But 15 feet to the end of what is a long and not very heavily built tail would probably put it at around 500 pounds. So what do you think it weighed?
1: We, We thought it was about 500. We just guessed it at 500, the first one. We measured it basically from the head to the tip of the tail just begun by the size of the boat it took most of the nearly the whole length of the boat up at the side it was too big to get in the boat we'd have never lifted it it wouldn't have been safe anyway to try and get that one over the side
0: a wise decision i think even the Carriga Holt charter boat i mentioned earlier with that one thousand pound plus fish thought better than trying to get their fish into what was a very much bigger boat instead they roped it and dragged it back into port for weighing which in some ways is a bit of a shame on the other hand, it certainly establishes the potential size range for the area. So, what do you think of an ingangler's chances? Not so much of getting one up, but dealing with the situation that would inevitably follow.
1: Well, they are. Yeah, they're obviously there. They must be there. We've only just scratched the surface of this area. We've only been like twice in two, you know, two weeks in over the two years, and we've had two each time we've been back. We've got one. There must be a lot there. A lot more than the. Did they know about?
0: Have you heard talk of anyone else catching them?
1: And no, none at all. I don't think anybody's tried from It's really. <laughs> Something that you'd, you'd have to target. You'd have to go there if you wanted to fish from. You'd have to go there and fish from specially, because there's such good fishing or, or other types of fishing that you wouldn't go for them.
0: Plus, most of the fishing there is normally done on the drift with small baits. Though I have caught six gills on the drift.
1: All on the drift, mostly except wrong. for inside the bay itself there's turbos in the bay we've had a uh, flounders to nearly three pound inside the bay off the moorings there's a lot of good fish in there that you i don't think they've ever been targeted before i don't think anybody's even tried for them but obviously they're obviously there and they're there in numbers the common skates will be there as well if they were
0: targeted you'd get them and if somebody wanted to target them based on your experience how should they approach the situation in terms of tackle and tactics? You, for example, wasn't using rubby-dubby. Well, I don't think you'd rubby-dubby.
1: I think 200 and odd foot, 180 foot, I think you'd have trouble rubby-dubbing for them. Because the bottom feeders, they're all on the bottom. So I think you'd have a problem dropping a rubby-dubby down there.
0: Not even attached to your anchor?
1: Well, yeah, you could do, yeah. It could come down on the anchor. Um, I might bring them in. We got them on mackerel, whole mackerel, um, the flowing trace, a long flowing trace we made for the second time we went back. We made the traces especially long, about 20 foot long. We just looped them back on themselves, put the ties on them and it, as soon as he took, it just pulled the ties off and away it went so we had like, great big long trace for them. Because with them being so long and you had the tail wrapped around the, your main line, you haven't got a chance. So that's the way we, we, we fished for them the second time.
0: When we fished for them at El Hero, we tied up to a permanently moored buoy in around 1,700 feet of water, the idea being that as soon as the fish was hooked up, we could slip the mooring and drift away from the rope. Had you no fears about it getting tangled around your anchor rope?
1: Well, no, at the, at the time we didn't know, what, we weren't too sure what it was. We didn't know what was coming up. So we were just mostly uh, all peering over the side for an hour and a half, waiting to see what it was. <laughs> So, um, no, nothing like that even came into it at first. Absolutely, I had no clue what it was, what we'd hooked. It just seemed to come up, whichever you could take it round to the front of the boat, it would just sort of follow you. Uh, it was just, just a waste, it was just a waste all the time. On Your back was broke. Just slugging away, slugging away. You just get a little sort of a pull on it now and again, and then just start heaving it again. And, it just followed, it just came up to the boat, just circled the boat, just went round and round on the. wherever you just pulled it, it just went which way which way he wanted to go, it just went, and it just come along the side of the boat. he just pulled it along and it just came along the
0: side and then it went round the circle again. The best description I've heard for the fight came from Dave Devine after he brought a 900 pounder up to the surface. He compared it to winching a wheelie bin up through 1,700 feet of water, with its lid wide open.
1: Like bringing a pick opening. a thing. Big fat thing there was. Dead weight all the time.
0: Looking at Kilkey as a package then, if you wanted to invest lots of time into trying for the big six gills, it would be at the cost of so much other excellent potential, though no doubt you could fish for other smaller stuff at the same time while the anchor was down. So which of the two potentials would you recommend?
1: Well, I'd recommend it for any, for both of them. The fishing's fantastic. Once, If you can get out on the Atlantic side, the fishing's fantastic. There's a f- drop. You can concentrate on the pollock, the double-figure pollock. all the way along the cliffs there. Wherever you go, there's pollock, pollock, pollock. Fantastic pollock fishing. Yeah, and then just further off again, you get into the megrams and the haddock and the cod, the ling. And then further out again, you've got, you've got your... Your haddock, and your hake, uh, and the blues, but there's also there's there's a uh, sandy bay just outside the bay, and uh, we've had rays in there, spotted rays, thornback rays, place, and in the harbour in the in the bay itself, we've had small servers and we've had big flounders of nearly three pound. So it's a mixed fishing, and uh, if you can get out through the gap in the reef it's quite good, but you are susceptible to the weather. If it's blowing in on any anything over force three, four, you won't get out through the uh, through the entrance. But you've always got the Shannon then to fall back on. You can always tow it to the other side and um, launch in the Shannon.
0: And what does the Shannon fish like?
1: It's quite good, a lot of horse rays. There's supposed to be monkfish there, but we've, not, we've tried them, but we've never had them. Um, you can get up to a loophead then, and there's loads of pollock and coal fish and cod, quite a mixed fishing. You get your day in anyway, if, it's, if you can't fish on the Atlantic side you can always fish on the shams there, that's a massive estuary. there's toe, a lot of tow in there, good tow fishing in the shams.
0: There's no, no shortage of um, slips to launch. It's nice to have a bad weather fallback, nice too to hear about so many other fish. But if it's the big sharks you're after, might these fish not turn out to be a distraction?
1: Oh, I think so, yeah. You'd have to be dedicated or you'd have to want to go for them. I don't think people would travel over there just to fish for the 6 gill day. Once you've had one, though, <laughs> one a day is enough anyway. Once you know they're there and they're available, same with the common skate on the same ground, you would go back again like to have another go at them. I don't know how big they grow, but there's bound to be a bigger ones there. I'd like to go back and get plenty of decent photographs this time. We only had a Brock's Brownie camera, and uh, I'd like to go back and get some really good photographs.
0: And how would you rate your chances of catching a Grander?
1: I think it's possible. I think they're there.
0: And you'd have no concerns then about bringing it up to the side of such a small boat?
1: Not the side. It's about
0: getting it in now. <laughs>
1: They are huge things. They are fat. Massive. Funny looking things anyway. Once you've seen one, you won't forget it anyway. But it was a good achievement. It was was nice to do. It was nice to go back
0: and get one again the following year. Actually, even though it was smaller, that second fish was in many ways more important than the first because it shows that what you did first time round wasn't a fluke.
1: No, no. We targeted it the second year and we got one straight away then the weather took over then we couldn't get back out so into the shannon we went
0: So not only do fish in excess of £1,000 exist in Irish waters and are available for catching, chances are with a focused deliberate attempt one could realistically be caught from a small trail boat both in terms of potential and handling safety My thanks then to Mick Duff for sharing this information with us and hopefully we'll try putting together a repeat attempt in the non-too-distant future Atlantic weather permitting